I think we gave away more beer that day than anything. <laughs> we were like, oh, they're like, what do we owe? Ah, just take it, just take it. Just take yeah. it. You know, what, you know what? Clear that table out. Let's get someone else to sit down. And, you know, because we didn't want people to walk away with, God, I really want to support those guys, but that was so terrible. Welcome to Belmont Voices. My name is Jack Benz, and I'm your guide to some of the stories of some of the people in one small New York neighborhood. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of Belmont Voices. In this episode, I speak with the Ramirez brothers, Anthony and Paul, who own the Bronx Beer Hall, and they can be found on Twitter at at Bronx Beer Hall, and Instagram at, yes, you got it, Bronx Beer Hall. They spoke to me in July, and so they had just kind of survived the close down from the pandemic, and they were slowly reopening. So a lot of the conversation is about how do you do that? And uh, you'll find they are passionate proponents of everything Bronx. I hope you enjoy this episode. I'm Paul Ramirez. I'm Anthony Ramirez II. We're in the heart of the Arthur Avenue retail market uh, in the Little Italy section of the Bronx. At the Bronx Beer Hall. And the Beer Hall is within like a big market building, right? Yeah. From how old? 79-year-old historically landmark retail market. Uh, it was originally uh, pushed by Mayor LaGuardia to get uh, push carts off of the street. They ended up bringing in 115 different vendors at seven feet per man. Uh, today, there's 11 vendors inside the heart of the market, and the Bronx Beer Hall sits right in the center. And you guys opened in 2013? Uh, yeah, seven years. Yeah, and tell me, what the, what does the Beer Hall do? So the Beer Hall kind of grew out of our other businesses. So we have other businesses called Mainland Media and From the Bronx, which are focused on improving the image of the Bronx. So the Bronx has kind of a negative reputation, stemming from the late 70s, early 80s, uh, crime, burning buildings, drugs, that sort of thing. So we are proud Bronxites, born and raised in the Bronx. Um, Where in the Bronx are you guys from? Our family was on 156 in St. Anne's in the South Bronx. Um, my grandmother had a house there for years. We were there probably the first two, three years two of our three, life. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And then we, uh, we lived between uh, Parkchester and West Farms. Both of our parents worked in the public education uh, system, the Department of Ed. Uh, my father's music teacher and my mother uh, was an administrative assistant. Mm-hmm. And uh, education was super important to them and because they were kind of in the middle of the whole system and they knew where the good schools were and the good teachers were, et cetera, et cetera, we bounced around a lot between different public schools. Um, I myself went to CS 102 for kindergarten, then I went to PS 138, then I went to PS 71, then I went through a program called Prep or Prep, which got me a scholarship to go to Horace Mann, which is a private school in Riverdale. And then for college, I went to uh, Columbia in the city. So all bouncing around. Yeah, yeah. He has more bouncing to share too. <laughs> were you, were you? So all of my degrees actually uh, are from the Bronx, every single one of them. I went to one, PS 138. Uh, my, my brother went through a program called Prep for Prep. My mom realized how difficult the program was. And she was like, there's gotta be an easier way um, I ended up taking a standardized test, uh, and I got into Horace Mann. I went to Horace Mann fifth through tenth grade. Uh, I was asked to leave in the tenth grade. Um, I ended up at Bronx Leadership Academy, which is 174th and Webster. Except for uh, bad kids. Uh, no, actually, at the time, it was a public school that had uh, just a focus on law. Um, so after I graduated Bronx Leadership, I ended up at SUNY Purchase, 
uh, that purchased for three years and they asked me to leave. There's <laughs> a theme here. Your uh, bouncing I, around has a different sort right, of flavor. Different, it's a different flavor too. Um, I wasn't allowed in any CUNY or SUNY school for six months. Um, I lost 33 credits in the transfer. I went to Bronx Community College. Uh, I stood there for a year. I was able to get my associate's degree and then I went to Lehman College. And I ended up getting my, so I ended up, my high school diploma says Bronx leadership on it. My associate's degree says Bronx Community College on it. And then my um, my bachelor's is uh, from Lehman College, right here in the Bronx. Yeah. Right. Mm -hmm. So you guys are yep. Puerto Rican. Yes. Is that is that like it used to be more Puerto Rican and now it's less? This we, neighborhood, we or you mean the Bronx? Be, in we general, used to be right? more Puerto Rican. No, no. <laughs> you guys are still. We've the same always been, yeah, the same amount of Puerto Rican, <laughs> pretty sure. <laughs> this neighborhood, um, I think, if anything, was was more Italian. Yeah. And then now it's become more Mexican and more Albanian. But there wasn't a phase when it was. There was um, a phase. There was a I've phase. Heard, I've yeah. heard, but I yeah. have. Yeah, I, I have no real experience with it. Yeah, we definitely didn't. We didn't experience that. Um, while yeah, we have heard it. We've you know we sponsored tours here before uh, with the Bronx Historical Society. So that's the only time that I've ever heard it. Uh, but somewhere in the uh, 70s and 80s, there were more Puerto Ricans around here than there are than there are today. So uh, how'd you guys get into beer? Um, so <laughs> That's a good question. We always say we're not in the beer business as much as we're in the community in the Bronx business, and the beer is um, just happens to go along with that, right? And so what ended up, we, like I mentioned earlier, we started a company called Mainland Media in uh, 14 years ago, 2006, with a mission to improve the image of the Bronx, and we called it Mainland because the Bronx is the only borough on the mainland, oh. and everything else is an island. And no one understood that. So we said, hey, we're mainland media. And they're like, so what is it, you from China or something? <laughs> like, no. Yeah, it definitely it didn't resonate with Bronxites at all. Right. Like, at all. Okay. They, didn't, they didn't get it. Yeah. Right. So we pivoted and changed the name to From the Bronx um, for our merchandise line. So fromthebronx.com is where you can find all of our like positive Bronx merchandise. Um, and then uh, we have a pretty big following on like social media. And so our social media following grew on Facebook. And... You know, on the strength of that and the strength of the, uh, the quality of the products we were producing, we started doing pop-up shops throughout the borough in historically significant locations. Um, and we had one here in the Arthur Avenue retail market. So it was just you selling ago. like hoodies and stickers and stuff. When you say hoodies, it like that, it really yeah. sounds like not much. No, but no, no. <laughs> so, no, but yeah, we weren't yeah. selling beer. No, no we, we were not selling beer. We were beer, doing, no. yeah. Yeah, yeah, but all, every time we hosted a pop-up shop, we would find up-and-coming Bronx companies to align ourselves with. Partners. And uh, in our first pop-up, um, we worked with the Jonas Bronx Beer Company, and coming to Arthur Avenue, it seemed like a no-brainer to feature the Jonas Bronx Beer Company at some point through our, our pop-up. Right, so um, we were here for a month when we yeah. did that pop-up in Arthur Avenue. So, it was like December holiday pop-up, we right. called it. So we sampled beers from, uh, I think, Friday through Sunday, um, just letting people get a taste of like what was coming out of the Bronx. And uh, we had an event, and we drank a little beer ourselves, and we said, Quite a bit. man, you know, <laughs> you know what would work well here? A beer hall. And this is right when the craft beer scene is blown up already on the West Coast, sure. and it's coming mm -hmm. east. Um, but there were people who were anticipating like that big craft beer push. Yeah. Um, and you know, beer halls are inherently communal spaces, so what better place than the number two tourist destination in the borough, you know, to, to really feature um, Bronx-specific things. And when we first opened, I think, our, well, what, in our planning phases, we were really amped, amped on featuring just the Jonas Bronx beer. Company. Just, yeah. Right, because we're the only one actually brewing, a Bronx guy brewing Bronx beer. And um, so in the beginning, I think we did focus for the first couple months, we were only serving his styles, his different styles of beer. Was right? it just that one guy? Yeah, yeah. just just the and one That's guy. all, not because you didn't do the other guys but that was the only guy at that time it at was that, that was that was it yeah. and what was interesting was that 
we uh, we had that drunken epiphany of hey we should open a beer hall here <laughs> right <laughs> and then the next day <laughs> the sober conversation of you know we should open a beer hall here right and um, what was nice about that was at the end of the month of our, our month-long stay here for the pop-up the other vendors actually approached us and said hey we like the vibe we like what you brought here we like the crowd you brought here younger what would you do if you could stay and we already had the idea. We were just like, oh, we'd open a beer hall, you know? Yeah. And they're like, so do you want to do that or not? And we were like, yeah, let's do it. Yep. Well, it just it made sense, you know? And, and beer people brings people together. Yeah. You know? yeah. And one thing is I think this market, at that time, uh, this market was 71 years old. And it's like nobody in 71 years thought, hey, let's put some uh, beer and wine in this place. Right. It was, it was kind of a mind blower, you know? Yeah. And, uh, and the fact that they let two Puerto Ricans do it, it was even more <laughs> mind blowing. Uh, but we did it, you know? We didn't come in here and pretend to make a meatball. We didn't uh, say, hey, we know, um, we want to feature this kind of food. Like we, uh, we took the best that the market had to offer from all the different vendors and we just featured, you know, we, we were about having a good time. We were about yeah. being a space where people could gather, um, hang out, meet people that you otherwise probably wouldn't have the opportunity to meet. and. That was it. it. Just pushed right. from there. Yeah. So again, very community focused. So yeah. even, even our tables, you know, we have these six foot tall tables. You're not going to come in with two people and then that's it. No one else can share the table. Like we encourage folks to sit with strangers, the next people you don't know. And what ends up happening more often than not is after a beer or two, you start engaging those people and, and kind of getting to know your neighbors. And yeah. we found that our community really liked that. They start to form bonds with each other that, you know, we saw people become best friends. We saw people become boyfriend and girlfriend or boyfriend and boyfriend or girlfriend and girlfriend, you know, whatever. And people, um, they found one another here and it became like the meeting spot. It became the place to come and, oh, I just want to grab a bite and talk to you for a little bit. Yeah, let's go to the beer hall, right? Yeah. And it was a little more organic, a little more natural than like a Starbucks or something. Yeah. And right. definitely... Um, definitely kind of strengthened our connection to to the Bronx, which is what we were trying to do. Anyway. Yeah. <laughs> and have you guys continued to live in the Bronx? Yes, yes absolutely. Yeah, 100%. Um, uh, is it a thing that you guys are Puerto Ricans in an Italian market as far as like... Well, it's interesting that you say that because, um, you know, our names are Anthony and Paul. So if you don't know our last names, right, you could, you could be confused and think that maybe we are Italian and some people are confused and think we are Italian. It's two-sided, right? On one side, we say, so we, like Paul mentioned, we, our whole thing has never been about, has, has always been about the Bronx and community, right? So this is, a, this is a landmark, this is a place to visit, it's a tourist destination, both local tourists and international tourists. Um, and so uh, we came here to sort of complement that. And, you know, I mean, obviously we're not flying, uh, we don't have our Italian flags behind our thing because there are already so many Italian flags in the market. Yeah, <laughs> you're set. Um, so we have a Bronx flag hanging behind our thing and we have a, a you know an American flag hanging behind our bar um, and to us we were just promoting and uplifting a cultural institution in the Bronx now have people come and said how they you know how they ever let Puerto Ricans uh, get into this Italian market and yes they have yeah. <laughs> and you know we handle that with the same with the style and grace that uh, <laughs> you would handle something a, a silly comment like that and we say you know what we're a local business in our community, and we're here supporting local businesses, and that's what we do. Yeah. And if they, um, and usually that, that that ends it. You know, if I, if I had a dollar for every time someone said that to us, um, we could retire. <laughs> yeah, you know. But people but, need to know more about Little Italy and about how diverse it is, anyway. Right, and then and that's actually where that conversation usually leads. Well, if you look around, you know, there are a lot of Mexican-owned businesses here. There are a lot of. Um, Spanish people working in the kitchens. There's a large Albanian community. Like, yeah. yes, this is the little Italy of the Bronx. 
and we, they celebrate Italian food and Italian culture, but it's not really run only by Italians. Yeah. Um, and then we also, on the flip side, we find people that are, you know, Puerto Rican, Dominican, Mexican who come and they're just really happy and excited to see someone that they can relate to owning a business in the center of this market. And they're happy um, to support us. And they're happy, happy to support us just, yeah, just for that reason, you know, and, and we love that too because, you know, that's, our, that's also our community. Yeah. That's good. Every time I've been here, it's always been, uh, it felt, it feels very much like the Bronx in the sense of uh, the diversity of the Bronx. It's just it's like a fair hall. Yeah. Right. They're just... Appreciate that. We appreciate that. And that's exactly, you know, it's funny how that happened. Um, that was always our goal, and um, I think we did a good job of it because, yeah. like you said, I, I, I sit here on a Saturday before quarantine, you know, you could sit here on a Saturday and meet a different person, a different type of person from a different part of New York, from a different part of the world, you know, the world all day long for eight hours. Yeah. Might be really drunk by the end, <laughs> but <laughs> you have a whole bunch of new friends. <laughs> how is it working uh, as brothers? I mean, you know, we didn't grow up in a big, big, huge house. We lived in a tiny apartment with our family. Um, we shared a room for most of our lives. Bunk beds. Um, bunk beds, right? Mm -hmm. In theme with everything else that we say and we do, like community, families first. So if there's ever a choice where you decide between your family or your business, it's family first, right? So there's no, never going to be that sort of, I can't believe I'm going to take the money and run, you know? The millions of dollars that we have <laughs> hidden behind the bar. You're a little late to do that at the moment, probably. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but I think, you know, that's the kind of relationship that it, it's clearly visible in the work that we do. And I get we get that a lot even working here. People are like, oh, you guys are so so welcoming and so nice and so this, and it's, you know, it's what we expect of each other, it's what we expect of our family, it's what we expect yeah. of our community, so. What do your parents think of you, uh, you know, running a bar? Man, that's a great, that's a loaded question. <laughs> um, <laughs> uh, it depends on the day, uh, you know, our father. Are yeah. they there right now? <laughs> yes. Our father comes all the time. Uh, yes, our father comes our all mother, the time. Our mother come for events, so come for, for specific things, but she doesn't just come to hang out, you know. My dad's happy to be like, oh, he's going to go hang out at the bar, you know. Yeah. Especially he's the number one promoter, that guy. Right. Especially with, the free, with his tab, free tab running, yeah. you know what I mean? Like, yeah. why wouldn't you, right? It's ideal. Um, yeah. But I think yeah, my mother definitely, uh, on the upfront, she had some... Uh, she had some um, reservations, reservations, yeah, about it, uh, just because she knew uh, we like to drink. <laughs> she also was just like, you know, you're making money off of. There's no guarantees. I used to work for the Department of Youth and Community Development, uh, city agency, before I quit to open the bar. And you know, I was getting paid well. I had the pension. I had all that stuff. The security, number one. And I remember when I resigned, she took me aside. She was just like. Are you crazy? <laughs> like, are you crazy? You know, like what, you, you know, you've given up all this stuff. Like, what if this doesn't do well? Then you're screwed and blah, 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 blah. And um, I was like, then it has to do well. Yeah. You know? And it was doing well. <laughs> well, it wasn't open yet. So the beer hall, so we were doing well in our consulting and our, and our merchandise, but the beer hall wasn't a thing yet. And I resigned um, probably about the year before the beer hall opened to work on opening it. And the beer hall opened, you know, we kept having these grand plans. Oh, we're gonna do this, we're gonna have this big thing, we're gonna do that, and then it ended up being, okay, the New York Times wants to come write a piece, there's gonna be great promotion, it's gonna be on the cover of the Sunday Metro section, we need to be operating by the time that gets out, because if not, people are gonna read the article, How show up. How does this work? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> it's funny you say that. Seriously, how does the tap work? Yeah, it's not funny, yeah. how, do you, <laughs> how do you pour a beer? How do you, how do you, take how do you make change from this POS system? And that's like pretty much exactly uh, our first day, we'd say, so we had the article come out. I mean, we didn't have a real menu yet. We kind of didn't know what beers, how the beers, we didn't have a staff, that's for sure. We didn't know how the point of sale system was working. Um, New York Times did their piece. The following week we opened, in time for the piece to publish, and um, 400 something people showed up to opening day. 
We had a duet band performing in the corner because it's Little Italy, and we were kind of celebrating that part of it, you know. Uh, we had a staff that got put together the day before. None of them knew how to pour a beer. None of them had a new how to work a point of sale system. How to working, meet servers. Working a point of sale system was tough. Yes. I mean, I think we gave away more beer that day than anything. <laughs> we were like, oh, they're like, what do we owe? Ah, just take it. Just take it. Just take it. <laughs> you know what? You know what? Clear that table out. Let's get someone else to sit down, and you know, because we didn't want people to walk away with. God, I really want to support those guys, but that was so terrible, right? So yeah. at the very least, we had them drinking, we had them listening to some music and hanging out, and at the end of it, we kind of looked at each other and we're like, oh, so we're open. Yeah. <laughs> you know? Yeah. We did a big sigh of like, ah, this, this point of sale doesn't make any sense, the money in the register doesn't match, you know, this, we didn't swipe that right, and someone didn't sign, we didn't enter yeah. tips, but everyone left having a good time, saying they were going to come back. The COVID thing hit, and uh, then you guys had to readjust. Yeah. yeah, COVID hit hard. Our license has always allowed for us to do beers to go, whether it be canned beer or growlers. Uh, once COVID hit, we had to really just start pushing and remind people like, hey, we're still here. Uh, the quality beer that you're looking for is still here. I will say, you know, we've always been very customer focused, so community focused, customer focused. And the big thing that changed during COVID was the way we interact with our customer and how we how we make them aware of what we're doing. So, you know, every month we would change our tap list and say we're featuring 15 brewers. We're gonna have a different select amount of beers from the brewers, but you have to show up to see what's here because you know it, it could change at a moment's notice when something sure. kicks or whatever. And now, um, because we're so we're so uh, big on takeout and takeaways, uh, you know, there's an update. You can see a live tap list of what we have on tap on online before you come here. You can see what cans, the cans change daily or you know, weekly, and you can make your sort of grocery list of what you sure. want to pick up. How many beers could I get right now? A hundred. I'll, I'll give you all of them. <laughs> <laughs> How many different uh, styles, you mean, right? How many different, <laughs> I'll tell you right now. Seven, seven, uh, There's a lot of counting going on right now. <laughs> yeah, I want to say we have about uh, 32 or 33 beers right now. And then, and then we have our Summer Lushies, which is a new sort of specifically for the summer is a refreshing frozen slushy drink uh, made with our own recipe of uh, lemon puree and white wine and then the other one is a red sangria and again very customer focused right what do customers want it's hot outside yeah. they want something that they can take they can go and it'll be refreshing and cooling a, a slushy was sort of the, the idea we came up with and has been pretty successful we've had a lot of people coming and saying I saw it online, I saw it on the news, I need to come and have a lush. We're getting people for summer lushies that say, they, people who follow us for seven years have never been here, and we're getting people who've never even heard of us. Yeah, right. And uh, just that exposure, and just like knowing, hey, you know what, we're, we're gonna widen the audience base by introducing something that we've never done before. If you were to say, if you were to describe your customer, who is that? There is no typical customer, right? They're right. pretty diverse, and they're wide-ranging. It could be from, you know, a from father of four, uh, just who just, just wants something beer? cold, yeah, <laughs> yeah, right, and something to, to to unwind with. To your beer nerds who are very specific, beer oh, lovers we yeah, call them. Beer lovers. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Sure, sure. And then, and then the opposite, you know, which is a couple of girlfriends who are more into wine and ciders, but uh, love the packaging and, and the way that our summer lushies look, and, and they come for that, they come right. for that look, for that Instagrammable sort of thing. And we have, a, and the audience that comes here for events, you know, sure, so yeah. like it, it really, it's, it's people, some people just know us at night and now through COVID, they've actually been showing up during the day. Like, oh, hey man, this place is crazy during the day. And when I say, when I think of typical, I, uh, typical customer, I think that when we first started it, first started doing it, we're like, what would we like to see? Mm. Where would we like to hang out? 
what would we think is cool and you know and we're brothers but we also have different things that we like to see so we design a space that sort of like it meets the the gap between the two of us of what we want to see we're also really big on on the Bronx and so that's included in our branding it's included in all of our merchandising and all that stuff tell me a little bit more about the Bronx in the sense of I know if you had a day off uh, I personally like to walk right yeah. so if I could where just you, walk where do you like to go no direction right like like literally I know that I'm gonna make a loop and come back home at some point right so especially during COVID we you're not really allowed to go sit indoors anywhere or anything like that if you can get up and start a walk and grab a bottle of water or, or a summer lushy with you and kind of like, you know, make a tour around and just see the things that people are doing, see people outside in their stoop, like see the business, how the businesses are operating. I very much, I've always been like a people watcher. Because of COVID, I mean, I, I, we have a lot of folks coming through here who are making reservations at the Botanical Gardens and the uh, Bronx Zoo because, you know, they, they're now socially distancing folks um, and then even like so you know this neighborhood gets shut down uh, four days a week to cars and people kind of like stand outside and like yesterday was jumping like, so looking forward uh, are you feeling hopeful about I'm always things? hopeful because uh, we have to succeed no matter what <laughs> we don't have a choice. there's no choice uh, do you feel hopeful about like the, the figuring this thing out or the vaccines or you guys remain pretty upbeat yeah, you know, you know, I'll be honest with you, uh, I haven't drank as much <laughs> during yeah, COVID because definitely. I've been so busy working that we haven't had the, you know, we've tasted our product to make sure it's good and working and all that. Yeah, that's it. And, but really not, um, we haven't had the opportunity to kind of hang out, you know, and just do, just sit down and talk about something that's not work related and not, you know, um, not focused on just surviving this, this quarantine. So I think that. I'm hopeful that we'll get to do that, and we'll go sit down somewhere and not talk about the beer hall and just kind of, you know, talk about life and, and all that. Be silly and make dumb jokes for a while. Yeah, man, it's um, the best. <laughs> <laughs> so that, that's something we look forward to. Uh, we see people doing it here when they're like, oh, they come back for their fourth summer lunch, and like, I'm having the best day. I'm like, are you? I'm so happy for you, you know? <laughs> Take a sticker. <laughs> um, so, yeah, we look forward to that. I do think that this is going to change the way businesses operate and the way people interact with one another for the, the next five years at the least. Um, I don't think you're going to see huge parties the way we used to throw them happening um, very, you know, very, for a very, very long, long time. time. So I think, you know, in terms of we've successfully sort of pivoted to more bottle shop to go, I think that'll keep going on for a while. I think outdoor seating, you know, the weather is terrible um, in every season in New York these days, so it'll be wildly hot until November, so we'll probably have outdoor seating until then, um, and then we'll build igloos, and we'll serve beer and igloos outside. I will say we're pretty creative, um, so we'll come up with something that will sustain us and keep us going. Uh, we obviously really miss having people be able to hang out and sit down here with us, and having, you know, we used to have a staff of 10, and now you're looking at us. <laughs> we're, we're an army of two. We're, yeah, exactly. Yeah. So, um, you know, we miss those things. And we hope that we get to a point in our business where we can get people to come back and, and work here and uh, be part of our Beer Hall family and sort of interact with our community. This episode was edited by Jason Cannon with original music by Paul James Prendergast. If you want to know more about the Ramirez brothers, uh, you can find them at their primary website, which is called mainlandmedia.net. And that's their website on which you can find From the Bronx, the Bronx Beer Hall, Taste of the Bronx. Gosh, anything you want to know about the Bronx, you can find it here. Check it out.